Well, it's Dutch delight in India overnight as the Netherlands pull off another huge upset following on the back of their upset of South Africa in the T20 World Cup. Now the Netherlands have beaten the South Africans overnight in a boil over of an encounter in the 50 over World Cup. All that, table implications and more coming up after the swish. Well, Great we work. start. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. You honour me. Dutch delight overnight, Raj. We went to bed, or I went to bed, uh, rain on the ground. The covers were out. We thought we might get a, a, a day off today, but not to be. Instead, it's you and I back again talking about one of the great upsets of Cricket World Cup history on day 13 of the Cricket World Cup. Lucky for some, Raj. Yes, uh, what, a, what a performance by, by the Netherlands to... Um... You know, rescue themselves from a bit of trouble with the bat early on and absolutely crush South Africa with the ball and just make their life difficult and and win the game. As a summary, I think that, that fits. But um, I am completely impressed by how these, you know, call the minnow teams is probably not the right way to put it, but the minnow teams that are just putting up an incredible fight against these test-playing nations um, Afghanistan's victory over England was one completely you know, out of the box, I felt. And then this one also, just the form South Africa's been in. And uh, Netherlands, well, I, I don't know what more to say. What did you make of the game? Well, let's let's just cover the, the start. So the, the fixture was reduced to 43 overs. And after 33 of those 43 overs, let's just say the Netherlands were in pretty deep poo, right? So Logan Van Beek was dismissed in the 34th over. That put the Netherlands at seven for 140. And at that point, you'd think, okay, South Africa are well in control of this match. If you believe in the Santa Claus of win probabilities, England, uh, sorry, South Africa were 90% win probability at that point, according to Crick Info's metrics. Um, <clears throat> but just two spectacular partnerships by a former South African player in Rolof van der Merwe, uh, alongside Scott Edwards, the captain, and then Arjen Dutt, in less than ten overs, gave them something to something to bowl at. Yeah, no, those two partnerships, one hundred and five runs and about fifty six, fifty seven balls. Uh, it was the complete difference between the the two uh, two teams. It's almost like those those two partnerships were a part of playing on a different wicket. Mm. They went out there, they tried to be aggressive to you know ram home their advantage, and and they they really did. You know, when we look at both sides' batting performance, there have been no real partnerships of note, um, except for these two, and they are the complete difference between the two sides. Uh, Scott Edwards, his um, innings in particular, just a little scouting report for the uh, teams that are going to play with the next. And Scott Edwards is at the crease. You'll want to cater for the sweep shot. He loves the sweep shot, uh, but he executes it well. Um, incredible innings to. to you know, pull his side out of some real trouble. They were 84 for about, 80-odd for about five when he came in, and he sort of guided them home uh, with a great supporting cast at the end there. Yeah, 78 not out of just 69 balls for, for Scott Edwards. Funder Merver, 29 off 19. And then Arjen Dutt batting at 10, 23 off nine with three sixes. Really, again, we talked about it yesterday, put the cat amongst the pigeons for South Africa. Did South Africa bowl poorly, do you think? Or, or is this just a case of good batting from the Netherlands? I mean, you have a look at the figures for a player like Marco Janssen, only went at threes. Maharaj went at fours. But, you know, Gerald Kutsia went at sevens. Is this a case of good batting for from the Netherlands or, or maybe some wayward bowling from, from South Africa? 
It's an interesting one because I feel like facing Ace was a bit easier on this wicket. Uh, if, if they didn't do the, the change-ups and, and bowl sort of seam up pace, it seemed to be a bit easier. The spin is where the um, real difficulties came into it. Uh, there were some execution issues, I think, for South Africa, but all in all, uh, fortune favours the brave, and uh, Netherlands were brave towards the end there, and they really um, ran from the advantage and backed themselves. Mm. And 245 off of 43 overs is not easy to chase down. So that's, you know, a required rate around about six and over there or thereabouts. My maths is failing me early doors this morning. Um, but on the back of that, South Africa got themselves off to a pretty poor start, if you think about it. 40 for four when Van der Dussen was dismissed in just the 11th over. The Netherlands did a fantastic job up top of containing what has been a very explosive top four for South Africa that looked in the first two games, like none of them could be dismissed. Yeah, look, chasing under sixes these days uh, is probably something that that is almost um, 100% of the time. 99 times out of 100, you'll be able to chase that down. A good batting side against uh, you know not not a, test play, a not non-test playing nation. Uh, they started well. Uh, they were just uh, knocking it around, going at just under sixes, going at the rate, but then all of a sudden they lose four for eight. Four wickets for eight, and that's when the introduction of spin came in. Uh, Ackerman and uh, Van Meteren uh, were, were very good with the ball, and they, they completely turned the, the match on, on its head. And like I said earlier, there were almost no partnerships throughout this whole uh, whole game, the, the 64-run partnership that we discussed with Edwards and Van der Merwe uh, in the Netherlands innings was the um, biggest partnership of the match. So wickets were always going to be key, uh, mm. and... Yeah, Netherlands did a great job. Was there anyone in particular in the uh, Netherlands bowling innings that stood out to you? Well, Van Beek, we talked about in the lead up to the World Cup. You know, he's played a lot of cricket here in New Zealand. He ended up with three for sixty from from his kind of nine-ish overs. But if you have a look up and down the scorecard, they've all performed above expectations. They've all gone at under five and a half and over. They've all chipped in and picked up wickets, with the exception of Arian Dutt. <laughs> who, excuse me, only went at three and a half and over against a batting side that has destroyed attacks. Well, they destroyed Australia's attack, um, to be fair, um, in the in the first two games of the tournament. So they did a terrific job of containing the explosiveness of the South Africans by being aggressive and taking wickets. And, and that's absolutely the formula that you need in these World Cups to be able to contain explosive batting lineups, is to be able to put them under pressure and take wickets. And as you said... The partnerships for South Africa, the last wicket partnership is actually the partnership between Maharaj and uh, Lungi and Gidi at 40-odd is the highest partnership of the innings for South Mm -hmm. Africa, which is a telling stat in and of itself. So um, what was previously a vaunted batting lineup has has failed to deliver a a really tricky but not overly taxing chase, I think is probably fair to say. Yeah, and... (coughs) Again, I just sort of, we've talked about this, or I've talked with, with Stu about this, about um, spin bowling and the execution of spin bowling in, in an inning seems to you know, correlate with a victory. And uh, I think that the way the Netherlands spinners bowled and then and also when the faster bowlers came back and bowled a little bit off pace uh, was the difference in this game. And they learned from their batting league, which was really good to see. And they thoroughly deserve this 
Huge victory for the Netherlands, lifts them up the, off the bottom of the table. They now have one win and two losses and joined five or six sides, I think, Raj, uh, with one win and two losses in this tournament. So a very congested table. If you look at between England in fifth and the Netherlands in ninth, it's only net run rate between those sides. And England have a net run rate of minus 0.08 and the Netherlands have a run rate of minus 0.99. So there's not a lot to throw over that that group of five sides. Um, South Africa remain third with their loss, uh, but take a little bit of a hit to their net run rate. But if you have a look now, India and New Zealand, the only unbeaten teams at the Cricket World Cup through three fixtures, but a real logjam in the middle of that uh, in the middle of that table now. Yeah, uh, someone told me prior to the World Cup that Afghanistan would be sitting at sixth place through everybody hmm. playing three rounds. Smacked, uh, I must say. Uh, the, the fact England and Australia have lost two games, uh, that actually helps each other, I think. Uh, it's going to come, the, the game when they play each other is going to be pretty, pretty massive. Uh, Pakistan and, and South Africa, because they have also lost a game, puts a little bit of pressure on them to consolidate that position. And then speaking of consolidating a position, uh, New Zealand and India, sitting on three wins out of three wins, are in a very, very strong position with a strong net run rate. Uh, so it's looking good for them anyway for later in the tournament. Mm. A chance for New Zealand to, to extend their advantage against Afghanistan coming up, I think tonight, actually, that next game. And then Bangladesh will play India. So a chance for both of those sides to remain unbeaten. Touch wood, because we now know that, that anyone could beat anyone at this World Cup and the upsets are coming thick and fast. Uh, but so then I, India um... play New Zealand after that, which is a huge game in the fifth round. Can I ask you a question, Baldy? So after these uh, last uh, couple of games or three games, that uh, mm. two of which have been an upset, how do you feel since the uh, Australian loss to South Africa? Do you feel a bit more buoyant, a bit more fired up? Uh, I I do because Australia have patched up some of the things that were that were problematic for them. Uh, but it just goes to show that there's no other than than maybe India, and we haven't really seen um, them under a lot of pressure in this tournament yet, uh, albeit that they had, to get, they had to get a big chase against Pakistan. Um, there are weaknesses in all of these sides. You know, we, we thought that mm. England had very few weaknesses. It turns out that, that they've got some, some things that they would, would classify as work-ons. Pakistan are an imperfect side. It now looks like South Africa are an imperfect side or they've got some, some challenges when they lose wickets in clumps. Um, Australia are definitely imperfect. They've still got lots of work-ons. So that that sort of three through eight, if you like, or three through nine is is yeah. wide open in this World Cup. And it's only going to take a side to go on a run of three in a row to get them right up in the mix or drop a banana skin game and and they're on their way out. Fortunately, I think for everybody, is that everybody's dropped a game. Um, as you say, Australia have dropped a game. England have dropped a couple of games. Pakistan have dropped the India game. South Africa have dropped a game against the Netherlands. So, so or each of those sides so are, are, are equally equally culpable. Just putting a spotlight then on, on, on the South Africans who are currently in third place. Uh, the Top Order podcast has been at odds over you know you know which mm. South Africa are we going to see. Uh, you know, is South Africa, you know, the team that we've seen over the last, you know, 10 ODIs or maybe slightly less than that, where they've been winning uh, by scoring heaps of runs? Or is, this, is the South Africa, is the real South Africa the team that played last night? Or 
the team that started off that series against Australia um, a few weeks ago. What, what do you make of that? Who, which, which South Africa is the real South Africa? It's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because if you have a look at the T20 series against Australia, Australia smashed South Africa in those t- t- T20s. They smashed them in the first two ODIs. And then this different South African side showed up. And they showed up for about five or six games. They thrashed Australia. They thrashed uh, Sri Lanka in the opening game. They thrashed Australia in in the second game. Um, And then they've disappeared again. So I don't know what South African team we're going to get. I wonder if they know. I don't think their fans know. If we get the South African team that we got in the first two games, they could go all the way to the final. But the side that they rolled out last night or the performance that they rolled out last night with largely the same side uh, is not a performance or is not a a team that you would expect to go deep in this tournament. So. I think I think South Africa are the same kind of side that we've seen in World Cups before, where they are a brilliant side 80% of the time, and then for whatever reason, they, they put in a, a performance like we saw last night. Unfortunately for them, it often comes at semi-final time, so let's hope for their sake that it, that it doesn't, but... Um, crises of mathematics aside, this is a very, very strong South African side that that laid a bit of a, a dog's egg last night against the Netherlands um, in a game that they really, really should have won. Um, they were in a commanding position at, at you know having their their opposition one one forty for seven and then couldn't close the game out. So look, you've got to give massive, massive credit to the Netherlands though. They played spectacularly for the sort of last 60% of the game, you know, and that was good enough for them to post a, 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 a score that they could defend. And then they defended it like demons and, and came away with another famous victory against South Africa, making it two on the trot now. You know, right, and I remember, to- oh, sorry, I, was gonna say, I remember talking pre-tournament, we were saying, <laughs> what does a good tournament look like for the likes of Afghanistan and the likes of Netherlands? Well, they have both set up their tournaments now with each other to play and I believe Sri Lanka to play as well. There's a real chance that one of these teams walks away with three victories uh, mm-hmm. at a World Cup. Uh, I'm sorry, one of these two teams walks away with three victories at a, at a World Cup, uh, which would be a, a massive checkbox for them and in cricket in their respective countries. Oh, absolutely huge for both Afghanistan and the Netherlands. If they can pull off a third win... Um, obviously one of them is going to beat the other so that one of these teams is going to end up with at least two. Uh, but if one of them could pull up a game against Sri Lanka, perhaps Bangladesh, perhaps, or even another one of the big sides, you know, they'll have no fear now. And they have got a formula where if they go out and play enterprising attacking cricket with the bat and the ball, uh, then they're, they're going to be very, very difficult um, to put away and put away well, which is going to have to be the formula that some of these sides like England, Australia, maybe even Pakistan and South Africa are going to have to be thinking about net run rate against some of these sides. So it, there is an opportunity there. The door is open now for, for more upsets going forward in, in this World Cup. Raj, you, you've often been um, part of that conversation about South Africa and their mercurial form. Are they, a, you know, which side are we going to get? What's your view? So... I think that we are seeing the real South Africa. Is that cryptic enough? No, that's good. Um, the, I like that you didn't sit on the fence there. That's great. Give it to us straight. Uh, so I think this is the real South Africa. The only thing that is consistent about them is that they're inconsistent. Uh, they have the ability to go out on any day, 
inning side. <clears throat> they just have incredible weapons on both sides of the ball. Uh, they also have the ability for those weapons to misfire and, and no one to sort of cover up the, the that misfiring and to lose to a team that they, they perhaps shouldn't. Um, one thing that is consistent with, with you know, the history of, of, of South Africa and how they've played at tournaments is that when the weight of expectation comes on, they tend to fade a little bit. And they're expected to win this game after destroying the two teams that they've played earlier. And once again, they've, they've faded away. I don't think it's something that is, is terminal, but it is a pattern that we have seen coming through um, over the years. I mean, it's something they can, you know, I fully believe in them that they have the ability to manpower uh, in this particular side to break away from that, but it's not something that is unexpected for me. Uh, mm. So, yeah. Is this the real South African team? Yes, because this particular team is consistent about being inconsistent, but if they are around near the end of the tournament, the later stages of the tournament, um, there is a chance that they could break away from their history. Well played. I'm so glad that you didn't sit on the fence uh, with that assessment. I sat on the fence having said that I wouldn't pre, pre, pre-recording. pre I'm so glad that you gave it to us straight. Looking forward to tonight, New Zealand against Afghanistan. Another potential banana skim game. New Zealand have been in good form in this tournament. Uh, what did New Zealand have to do to make sure they put Afghanistan away? Look, it's, it's, it's all about respecting your opponent and executing your, your sort of 1% as mm-hmm. your basics. I think New Zealand will be will have their head on about all of those facts and go out, go out score runs, take <clears> wickets, bowl to their plans. Uh, I think New Zealand are a side that is capable of that and I think they'll do a good job with it. It's an interesting one because actually losing to a side like India is actually all right at the moment because, uh, you know, they're so far and away and uh, sort of command at the top of the table there. So that India game I'm less nervous about. Uh, but these games, we were playing teams that were expected to win because of how the tournament has gone through these first three rounds. You need to make sure you're beating the teams that you're expected to beat to make sure all the numbers line up when you come to uh, picking those semi-finalists. Hmm. Uh, no, what do you see- think? How do, how do you see? Yeah, going? it's going to be an interesting matchup. Will Young, of course, well, not of course, we expect Will Young to come back in for the injured Kane Williamson, which I think is a good thing for New Zealand's batting in that he has played a lot of cricket. Um, against spin. I think he's a good player of spin, um, as is Conway, as is Ravindra. So there is a lot to like about that top three for New Zealand. And I think New Zealand are are well-equipped to handle the spin of Afghanistan. I also think New Zealand are well-equipped at the top of the order, even though we haven't seen it yet from Trent Bolt, to break through that dangerous opening partnership of Gurbaz, Gurbaz and Ibrahim early doors and put the Sri Lankan batters on uh, the, sorry, I'll start that again and put the Afghanistani batters under a bit of pressure. So if they can combine wickets at the top with being able to handle those spinners, I think New Zealand are well-placed, but of course I'm not making any assumptions this time around Uh, for all you New Zealand fans. Let me just say that there's no butterfly effect here. I'm not predicting a New Zealand victory. Um, New Zealand will have to, as you say, Raj, respect their opponent um, and give them uh, their due because they've played some really, really good cricket. Can I ask you, Baldy, I know you've mentioned, uh, and I think it might have been Bixi when he was on one of the earlier podcasts saying that, you know, obviously the New Zealand middle order is out of form because they haven't really had that. Um, if you were in New Zealand, would you consider not playing Will Young and giving the likes of a Tom Latham or a Gitlin Phillips 
uh, I'd go at number three uh, to give them a bat. I know we mm. talked a lot about restricting our opponents and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think we can do that even if we do play these uh, batsmen further up the order. But is, mm. is that a is that something you'd think about? It's something that I would think about and then dismiss. Uh, I've played enough, a little bit of representative tournament cricket as a player and as a manager, and every time I've seen a side alter their game plan for the purposes of giving someone a bat or, you know, covering for somebody who's out of form by moving someone around, covering for weakness. Uh, I've never seen it work and I've seen it I've seen it backfire spectacularly. So I would hope for New Zealand's sake that they continue to respect their opponent and those guys will get time in the middle. I, I firmly believe that if New Zealand are in a really good position against Afghanistan, they'll go hard in which case they might take a couple of risks and then, you know, a Mitchell, a Latham, a Phillips, uh, a Chapman will get a bat. If they're under pressure, they're going to get a bat anyway. So I, I don't think that um, even with Australia and India coming up as their next two games, India, then Australia, uh, that New Zealand need to tinker with their batting lineup too much, if at all. The only thing I think they would think about is what's our best bowling attack to roll out against Afghanistan, um, as opposed to the best bowling attack to roll out against India or Australia. So I think they'll keep the batting. I hope they keep the batting largely the same, but maybe they make a tweak in their bowling attack um, for conditions and opponent rather than uh, reasons of hubris. There we go. I think we've done it. Have we done it? I think so. I think we've covered everything. I think we've covered everything. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of The Daily Show here on the Top Water Podcast covering this Cricket World Cup for men in the 50-over edition in 2023. If you can get your mouth around that, you've done better than I have early doors this morning. Raj, it was a tremendous pleasure again and an honour to be on the pod with you talking about this tremendous upset for the Netherlands over South Africa that's blown this tournament again even further wide open after the events of the last 72 hours. Uh, We look forward to your company again soon, listeners and viewers on the Top Water Podcast as we cover... New Zealand, Afghanistan tomorrow morning and look forward to some look exciting fixtures coming up in round four of matches in this Cricket World Cup. Take care of yourselves and each other and we'll see you again soon here on the Top Water Podcast.